0: Uh, We're starting a a, a new series today, and uh, it's the stories that Jesus told. Uh, Jesus was a a master storyteller, and uh, these short stories that Jesus told, they're called parables, and they're kind of like easy to grasp on the one level. Uh, Jesus would just uh, tell them uh, that normally have some application to animals or land or farming, to what people were we're dealing with, but then again, there was some sort of a zinger there. There was some uh, point that Jesus was making that seemed to be kind of profound, and you would have to think about it. Uh, you'd think you'd get it straight away, but, you know, you had to sort of just meditate on it a little bit. So we're going to look at some of these uh, stories uh, as we go into the summer, this new series, and we're going to look at the parables. Uh, today, I just want to title this message, Uh, Overcoming discouragement, uh, how we can overcome uh, discouragement. And uh, what does that uh, look like? How do we uh, prepare ourselves to not become uh, discouraged? It's totally uh, normal and natural to become discouraged at some point in your life. Uh, We live at a time where uh, we will get overwhelmed, we will get discouraged. Uh, People discourage us, uh, news discourages us, uh, uh, world politics can discourage us. Uh, We can get discouraged uh, from any number of sources. But the question is, uh, really, how do we overcome discouragement? How do we live this life in the fullness of life uh, and overcome discouragement? Uh, it's not like any of us run around and say, you know, I, I want to be discouraged. I, I know that uh, discouragement comes in my life, so you know, for this season, let me uh, let me welcome discouragement. Uh, I mean, that's none of us do that. It- it's more the exact opposite. We we're going along merrily, and then it's like discouragement just like grabs us. It sort of comes out of nowhere. It's like, how did that happen? Now, uh, that's the kind of discouragement uh, that I want to talk about. Uh, a few years ago, I was in Spain on a missions trip with a number of seasoned pastors. These were folks that travel a lot. They were sme- uh, street smart. And yet, uh, Bill Elander, the pastor from Vineyard in Connecticut, got pickpocketed. Now, the way this uh, this setup worked, uh, we were in the train uh, in the underground, the the metro uh, in Spain. And uh, as the doors were closing to the train, uh, somebody, and this was a staged, practiced, -practiced, well-practiced ploy and trick, uh, somebody would stick their foot in the door. As the doors are closing, and you can hear the loudspeakers going uh, don 't block the doors as trains leaving and of course, the doors come to a close. The person puts their foot in the door, the doors uh, jump back out, and the person starts yelling and screaming like they're in excruciating pain, and everybody's distracted they They look at the commotion that 's going on, and then the doors open, and then they close, and every these folks jump out of the train and the tr- door's closed, and the train moves on. And as soon as the train moves on, Bill's feeling for his wallet, and it's gone. All right, you know, it's sort of an old trick. Uh, uh, police know this uh, uh, trick. Uh, it happens in stores with teenagers. Uh, olden days, you know, you'd have like four or five, of them, and then they come in the store, and they create some commotion down on the one end of the store, and the store owner goes down, and then all the other Teenagers now then are filling their pockets with whatever they can grab, you know, and then, you know, it's months later or weeks later, it's like, wait a bit, where did all the stuff go? You know, stolen, it's gone. I mean, sometimes discouragements like that, uh, you're not planning it, uh, you pickpocket it, you, you take taken by surprise. Uh, and you know it helps to be street smart it helps to uh, not just like have your wallet hanging out but uh, sometimes even if you're well prepared uh, you the enemy the circumstance in life it just seems like it steals us uh, steals our joy or it catches us by surprise and uh, that's how it is uh, and so we need to Think about how do we overcome, how do we prepare, how do we prevent discouragement? I mean, we can get discouraged from all any number of reasons. Our health, you know, we can be expecting uh, healing, we can be praying for healing, and we don't get healed. Uh, We can get discouraged with our finances. We're expecting it to go well, and we're trying hard, and it doesn't go well. Or sometimes, you know, we just get fatigued. I mean, you're trying and trying and trying, you're battling and. Finally, it's just like this is the final straw. You know, something goes wrong and you're just uh, overwhelmed. Uh, so I want to talk about not getting discouraged. How do we overcome uh, discouragement? How do we not get worn out or beat up and uh, overcome uh, with discouragement? And uh, the premise here, of course, is overcoming uh, discouragement with faith. And uh, that's what I want you to get out of this message. How do we use faith? How do we let the flow of God in our life, the love of God in our life, uh, encourage us and prevent us from getting discouraged? We have a huge part to play in preventing uh, discouragement. And uh, that's what we want to talk about. So, Jesus, I just welcome your presence. I just pray that you would put uh, power on on my preaching. Uh, Jesus, uh, when you preached, uh, when you shared your parables, your stories, I'm sure there were many in the crowds that just totally didn't get it, uh, but there were plenty that totally did get it, and for those that transformed their lives. And so I pray for people today that you would work in our lives with your thoughts and your truths. In your name, Jesus. Amen. uh, If you're following along in your bulletin insert and in your Bible, I'm going to be preaching out of Matthew chapter 13, And uh, Jesus actually explains what a parable is right in uh, the beginning of this uh, section. And I'm going to read it to you. Uh, This is the opening of chapter 13, verse 1. It says, later that same day, Jesus left the house uh, and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables. And then he proceeds to share this first parable, which is not the one I'm going to share today. And then the rest of this idea of a parable is in verse 34. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Now, when you speak in parables, it's both uh, rewarding and frustrating at the same time. It's rewarding if you get it, and it's frustrating if it just seems like, okay, that's veiled, that's like confusing, like what's really going on here? And uh, Jesus seemed to choose that method of preaching, of sharing where it wasn't so obvious. You you kind of had to uh, think about it a little bit. But uh, the two parables that I want to share with you this morning is the, the parable of the mustard seed, and these are really short. And the next one is the parable of the yeast. So it says this in verse 31. Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven... And there's that phrase again, if you're reading the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven, if you're reading in the Gospel of Mark and of Luke, uh, the kingdom of God, but uh, one and the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make their nests in it in its branches. So we got something that's really, really small, insignificant, and it grows into a, uh, you know, substantial garden, plant, shrub, tree. And then the next uh, parable uh, similarly uh, says this, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Now, if I was Jesus, I would just uh, say, "See you later. Have a good Sunday." That was the message, and I'm out. And you'd have to like, okay, so wait a bit. <laughs> what was all that about? And Jesus on his boat, and he's moving on, and what? You know, mustard seed. Well, that's the way Jesus taught. I mean, that was a parable. You just had to kind of, okay, where are we, and you makes you think. Now, the opening part of that that parable is sort of the the key that unlocks it the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is trying to describe something which is a little different to what people are expecting. Both then and today, we have a similar approach, uh, incorrect approach, uh, of our understanding about life and of heaven. Uh, The incorrect approach is this Uh, we live our lives today and then we die. And when we die, then we finally encounter heaven, and then there's life after death, and it, that's where it works. It's just very sequential and, and very linear. And what uh, Jesus is saying is saying, no, 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 it, it's a little more complex than that. Uh, in fact, there's an overlap. Uh, it's not just this time, then we die, and then it's heaven. It's Heaven is actually reaching over into this time period. And so we have this, what we call the church age, or when Jesus died and was resurrected. That was the beginning of this age to come. And uh, that overlaps this current age. And so there's this tension between, okay, we can experience and expect uh, heavenly things uh, while we simultaneously live in this age and have to battle with the way things operate here. And uh, at times we experience the great joy and delight of God doing things powerfully, and other times we get really frustrated and discouraged because God just seems to be asleep, or like, where are you, God? Why aren't you taking action? Why aren't you getting involved in our lives, in our country, in the world? Like, where are you? And uh, there's a sense of, Okay, where are you, God? Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, we citizens of heaven. But we're still obviously citizens of you know, not, not United States or whatever country you're from. You know, there's a, a dual citizenship and there's a tension uh, as we try and live out our lives uh, this way. So the parable starts out and it's just explaining. This is what heaven is like. There's this... There's the sense that uh, these two worlds are overlapping. And then the discouraging part in both of these parables is that uh, time elapses before the end results. And for any of us that have been a Christian for any length of time, uh, you're going to experience seasons in your life when God just seems to be taking his time. Uh, You're like, you're in a hurry and God just isn't. And it's just, like, really frustrating. I mean, from your perspective or from my perspective, you just don't understand why God doesn't get it. And uh, you're like, okay, God, come on now. You know, like, I'm trying to get this thing happening. Uh, you know, help me out. I'm praying. I'm doing everything I know how. And, and like, are you asleep? Uh, you know, are you dealing with other people's problems? Or Are you too busy? I mean, it's like, uh, you're just like, God, come on. And so with the parable of the, the mustard seed, God is saying, look, Here's something that's really small. It's really like insignificant. For most people, they would say, this is ridiculous. You know, uh, what's going to come of this mustard seed? And it's not a question of the smallest thing in the world becoming the biggest thing. It's not like, okay, this becomes a redwood or something. No, this becomes a, a tree, a bush, and it's not even like the most significant bush, but it becomes something. Uh, and it becomes a bush, which is actually useful. I mean, birds can sit in it, and uh, it's a useful useful, useful shrub. But uh, what God is saying is don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise when God is doing something great in your life, and uh, then you don't see the outcome. He said you have to have a certain amount of patience. Uh, you can't get discouraged in the interim because uh, it's going to take time. And for some part of uh, church history, uh, recent church history, uh, one of the ways this parable was understood is the gospel is going to be spreading throughout the world. And the world is going to just get better and better as the Christian influence uh, spreads throughout the world. And then Jesus is going to return and it'll really be you know, totally awesome. And uh, that theory kind of blew up badly during the First and Second World War. And there was a huge period of great like discouragement in the faith because things weren't getting better and better. And then there was a sense of, oh, my gosh, God, where are you? How can you allow this war to take place? Uh, you know, Why are you sleeping? It's, and yet God's truth is what it is, which is this message of the gospel is going to go throughout the whole world It will go to every tribe, every people group, every language. Uh, People are gonna hear the good news about the gospel. But the frustrating part is not everybody's gonna receive it and not everybody's gonna respond to it. And we look at our current life, uh, current uh, world situation and there's a lot of problems. I mean, there's ISIS and there's Russia and there's the Greece uh, financial debt problems and we got our own problems here. And you say, Well, God, where are you? Uh, You know, what's happening? And yet, simultaneously, you've got these two worlds overlapping. Uh, God is indeed large and in charge, Uh, He's in total control. And yet, it seems like it's falling apart all around. And God is saying, Don't get discouraged. I'm in control. It's going to work out. You know, and then people go back to the Bible and say, Wait a bit, you know, it's not going to just get better and better. And then Jesus returns. It's actually going to get terrible, and then Jesus is going to return. And, uh, you know, so we live in this tension. And uh, as citizens of heaven and of citizens of earth, we simultaneously have to uh, live here, but we have the joy and the hope and the experienced realization of God's love encouraging us as we uh, move along in this world. Uh, God does not want us uh, to get uh, discouraged. Uh, he does want to encourage us. Uh, recently, uh, you know, we've just had rain, and you would say, okay, well, this is great. Uh, we had a drought. Uh, we've had dry weather. We had, Well, firstly, we had a lot of snow. I mean, some people are still talking about the snow. My gosh, it's going to be July soon, and we've still got, you know, nightmares about all the snow we had. Uh, and then we had a dry period, and then, okay, everybody's complaining it's too dry, and, you know, now it's like raining again, and now we're complaining because rainy. Now, if you're a farmer, you've got a real dilemma because, you know, like out Midwest, uh, they grow corn and they grow soybeans and and farmers are dependent on things beyond their control. Uh, So the classic challenge for a farmer is you get around this time of the year and the corn is growing nicely and the soybeans are growing nicely and you think this is great and the rains are coming down and you think, well, that's great. And then you ask the farmer, like everything must be great. And the farmer says, well, it kind of is, but You know, the timing of this rain is sort of unfortunate because what's happening is the roots are not going deep. And so if we have a dry period, like in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have major problems with my crop. It would have been better if we didn't have rain now and the roots actually went deeper. Then they could withstand, you know, a little bit of a dry period. So, you know, farmers are much more in tune with like, okay, the timing of things have to, has to be right or, or, or perfect and God wants us to develop like deeper roots, uh, not just enjoy the upside of life continuously. For many of us you know we come to church uh, and I encourage you to come to church. I'm thankful you come to church and and we have great worship and we, we praise God and and hopefully you listen to a great sermon and hopefully you can get experience a good prayer. And, uh, you know, God is saying that's great, but you need to use these good times to allow your roots to go a little deeper. Uh, Don't, like, all of a sudden get discouraged when some bad things happen in your life or uh, bad things happen around you or things unfold the way you wouldn't like them to unfold. Uh, God is saying use the good times, use the rain, use the good seasons to let your roots go down, to get deep. Uh, and uh, to be able to withstand whatever else comes your way. Uh, You know, when I go through pastoring and I see people's lives, the, the area that always encourages me the most is when somebody is going through difficulty and there's no easy solution. There's no, like, quick fix. And the encouraging side is when somebody is willing to just, like, lean into God and there's a sense of God will be sufficient. God is going to get me through. And then you watch the difficulties that they go through, and you see that God is indeed sufficient, and that God indeed gets him through. And they go through seasons where they might be depressed or discouraged or, you know, the world is turned upside down. It, it didn't work out the way they thought it would. And yet you see God coming through, and you see the person's faith really transforming them and helping them. Uh, You did your best in your planning. You tried your hardest with your business thoughts. You've tried your hardest with some relationship, and it just didn't work out. And yet, in the biggest scope of life, you see that God's hand was there, and God was providing, and God was protecting, and God was really good. Uh, It's encouraging when you see people uh, lean on God. And God is asking us, Uh, to fix our eyes on him, that he will be our hope, he will provide. And God is asking us to make the Lord's prayer a reality, especially the part that says, your will be done, not mine. You know, when things go completely wrong in our lives, or we're so uncomfortable, or we're so frustrated, we can't see the end result, it's a really great prayer to pray the Lord's prayer and say, Lord, your will be done. Not my will, because I'm trying my will. My will's not working. Uh, I'm frustrated. But your will be done in my life, around me, in those around me. Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. Uh, get your eyes off your problem, put them on the Lord, and say, Lord, your will be done. Uh, it it's encar- it's encourages us if we can, if, if we can do that. Waiting and talking about uh, discouragement is easy. It's easy for me to stand up here and say, look, okay, it's hard to wait. Or it's easy for me to say, you know, you can overcome discouragement through faith. It's a whole different exercise when you are discouraged. And you actually have to go through discouragement. And you have to actually really lean on Christ. And you really have to be dependent on God Providing for you, healing you, directing you. That's a much more difficult exercise. And uh, that's really the nature of this talk, is how do we overcome uh, our despondency? How do we truly, uh, you know, do it? How do we uh, endure, Uh, not just talk about it and give some sort of easy lip service or as we try and help others out, just give them easy lip service. If you're following along in your bulletin insert, I I want to uh, give you examples of a number of just like, you know, stellar leaders in the Bible who have overcome discouragement uh, in their lives and how they overcame it because there's no sort of one, you know, verse fits all. There's no quick fix, there's no easy solution. It's complex, Uh, uh, our, our lives are complex. And yet, as I said before, we're all going to face discouragement at some point. But we all can get through discouragement. You know, we can either choose to say no to God and no to God's ways, or we can embrace God in our difficulties, in our discouragement, and say, God, uh, your will be done. I'm going to rely on my faith to feed me, and I'm not going to block it. And, um, you know, my encouragement is do that. So, how about the Apostle Paul? Uh the Apostle Paul is in jail. Now, there's a discouraging starting place. Uh, his discouragement led him to redirect and refocus. He redirected and he refocused his situation. Instead of uh getting frustrated in jail and looking at his circumstances. And just you know, complaining about being in jail and being cold and not having friends and why is he in jail anyway and why is he in a foreign country and blah 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 and just you know he could have he had a lot of real good reasons to complain, but what does he do? He he intentionally he uses his faith to refocus and redirect. Uh, let me read Philippians four eight to you. It says, "Fix your thoughts." on what is true, and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Now that's like not reading the newspaper. You know, if you only read the newspaper, you're not gonna get things that are honorable, true, right, pure, lovely, admirable. I mean, you're gonna just get a lot of negative stuff. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't read the newspaper because that's the world that we live in. But where these worlds overlap, we should say, okay, let's be wise in the world that we live in. Let's be aware of the circumstances that we live in. Let's be smart about the circumstances that we live in. But at the same time, let's look upwards. Let's look at the heavenly kingdom and let's look at things that are lovely and things that are right and things that are admirable and things that are uplifting and pleasing. And let's focus on those things. Let's draw our hope on those things. Let's be directed on those things. Let's be focused on those things. Paul was intentional about refocusing and redirecting his life. I mean, he's sitting in jail. It's a bad place to be. But he was intentional about, I'm going to focus and think about something different, something uplifting. And the other... Hero in the faith, in the Bible, the Old Testament, another jailbird, is Joseph. And Joseph, again, I mean, yes, somebody is sitting in jail. He's innocent, and his jail time goes like on and on. And on. I mean, you talk about being discouraged. He was discouraged. He's like, God, where are you? Get me out of this place. And, you know, why am I sitting here, year in and year out? But what Joseph was able to do in his discouragement, he was able to bloom and not to blame. I mean, it's really remarkable. He just bloomed right there in the prison. Well, how did he do that? Well, he kept doing his godly nature. He embraced the things of God. He was trustworthy. He worked hard. He was reliable. He was honest. He was dependable. And he hated being in jail. And the funny thing is, this is what God says in Genesis thirty-nine twenty-three. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Now, here's the mysterious part. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, wait a bit. It's not only like God is with us when everything's going awesome. In this particular case, God is quite happy to leave Joseph in jail. Now, Joseph is not quite happy to be left in jail. You and I are not happy when things don't go great in our life and we are begging and praying God to change things. And sometimes God just doesn't seem to be hearing. He doesn't seem to be feeling your pain. But you know what? There's something that happened to Joseph's character in jail it got formed for the better. And later on, his life depended on that character transformation that took place under difficulties. Look, it's no accident that when you go into the military, you have basic training. Uh, It's not fun to go through basic training. But the outcome is great. Now you can talk about wanting to be fit or wanting to be slim, or wanting to be a great musician, or a great artist. Talking about it is one thing. Going through the pain and the difficulty of getting there is something entirely different. It's no different to a tree uh, that, like, you know, Jesus using these mustard seed and trees analogy. Uh, you know, any tree that sort of has become mature in this area. I've got like a wonderful couple of oak trees in my backyard. I mean, I don't know how old they are, but they've got to be, you know, 60 plus years old. I mean, I'm sure those trees have endured drought, and believe me, this year they endured like some infestation of worms. Like, yeah, you know, I can't believe. And my one poor oak tree has like a squirrel like condominium thing going on there. I'm like, I don't even know how that tree even like survives. But you know, year out, year in, and year out, that tree has managed to persevere. has gone through good times and bad times, and uh we need to be able to you know, toughen up and, and, and be likewise. We need to be able to bloom and not just blame. We, we really do. How about Moses? Now, Moses' example is something that all of us, all of us uh, need to put into practice. Uh, Moses used his discouragement to intercede. Here's the setup. Moses is hanging out with God. He is having, like, this incredible experience of God's, like, presence. He's up on Mount Sinai. God's giving him the Ten Commandments. It's, like, really getting awesome, and, and Moses is just, like, shaking, and who knows whatever he's experiencing. Now, when Moses gets down to the bottom of the mountain, things aren't going too good. You know, they've got a golden calf going, and everybody's, like, worshiping this idol, and it's a complete and utter disaster. Now, think of it from God's standpoint. Moses hanging out there with God, and God's like giving Moses Ten Commandments and telling him how he's going to lead these people. Uh, God's simultaneously aware of what's going on down the bottom of the mountain. But he's not like giving up on Moses. He's, he's like, still, Moses is what I want you to do. He has the commandments. and When Moses gets to the bottom, I mean, he's just distraught. But what does Moses do? He says, I'm going to intercede. And this is what it says in Exodus thirty-two thirty. The next day, Moses said to the people, "You have committed a terrible sin. But I will go back up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin." I mean, there's a sense, uh, you know, with our kids and with people around us, we are we need to intercede. We need to be praying for them uh, when people mess up. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not great advice. that's going to help. Uh, what's going to help is like going to God and saying, God, you know, I just pray for this nation. I pray for, you know, my church. I pray for my friend. I, Lord, I just like have mercy. Uh, help us, direct us. Uh, we need to learn to be like Moses where we don't, you know, become totally undone with what's happening around us where we can intercede. We can lean in to the things of God. The fourth example I person I want to lift up is Joshua. Uh, Joshua was encouraged by God by, in advance, God telling him to be strong and courageous. Now, you know, I don't know about you. I would love God to speak to me like that and say, hey, Rob, you know, uh, be strong and courageous. And you say, yeah, hey, of course, I'll, I'll be strong and courageous. And then God says again, you know, no, you, you need to be like strong and courageous. Oh, yeah, of course, I'll be strong and courageous. It's great. And, you know, and then God says a third time, no, no, listen. Be strong. Be courageous. You know, finally you would be like, okay, what's coming down this road? (laughs) I'm going to need to be strong and courageous. Am I I ready for this walk, you know? And that's the way it is with God. He's warning us up front. He's saying, listen, uh, be strong. Be courageous. Don't be surprised. Don't allow the thief to come and steal your joy. Uh, Don't be pickpocketed. Uh, smarten up. Be ready. Be strong. Be strong and courageous. The last example I want to use, uh, and this is just so relatable to all of us, uh, it's the psalmists. You know the psalms are just loved. We all should be reading the psalms. I I just encourage you to have a regular diet of reading the psalms, uh, and not just reading the psalms, using the psalms as a as a way of praying to God and a way of relating your life uh, to God, it's a good habit to just, you know, regularly. Uh, I don't know, you know, it depends on how much you read. I mean, if you're an avid reader, you want to read a few Psalms a day. If you're a poor reader, you've you got to get these in your diet somehow. You've got to get the Psalms in. Uh, but the Psalms sort of have a pattern. And the pattern is you've got to be real with God. And so the way the psalmists often overcome discouragement is this. Uh, they vent, and then they recall. So you, you vent to God. You, you give to God what's frustrating you, what's discouraging you. And you just, like, tell it the way it is. Uh, God is not surprised. Uh, it's not going to be news to him. But if you want to get something off your chest, uh, God is a good place to go and do that. And you can be very real with God. You can say, God, you know, I'm disappointed in you. God, I thought you were going to heal me. God, I thought you were going to make me rich. God, I thought you were going to bless me in this way. God, I thought this, I thought that. I was hoping for this. You can say whatever you want to God. Actually, a lot better to tell it like it is to God than sometimes to your friend. Because sometimes your friend's, you know, advice and feedback isn't all that helpful. But you can be real with God, just unload it, say it the way it is. But you don't leave it that way. That's where the Psalms are so helpful. They help us to get in touch with the reality of where we're at, and then they give us the next step, and that is to recall, recall the good things. So uh, Psalm 77, for instance, uh, verse 1 through 3, is the psalmist venting. He's just unloading. He's complaining. And many of you can identify with this. He says this, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Okay, so here's somebody. It's not just, this is not like private prayer. This is somebody that's like screaming at God. You know, I'm shouting at God. Oh, God, would you listen to me? And it's like sort of the sense that maybe if he screams, God will hear better than, you know, praying uh, silently. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for for the Lord. All night long, I prayed. This is not like a little quick prayer. This is not like praying on your way to work in the car quickly between songs. This is like, I can't sleep at night. I'm praying all night long. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I, I prayed with hands lifted up towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. Okay, so he's basically saying, listen, I'm praying and it's not working. God, I'm asking, where are you? And you know where to be found. God, I'm doing everything I know possible. I'm I'm doing everything I can to get your attention. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. Now, you see, what's so great about that is it's real. It's not sugar-coated. It's not giving some you know, lickety-slick verse, which is like, oh, everything will be good with God. Just, you know, pray this prayer or just memorize this verse. It'll just be great. No, he has somebody that's saying, it's not great, and I believe in God. But then he does something. After he's finished venting, he does something constructive, and he recalls. He recalls the good things about God. He reminds himself about what God has done in his life. He reminds himself that God is active and is alive. And, you know, the, the closer to you, Events, the more recent events that you can recall, the better. And so the psalmist in verse 11 says, But then I recall all you have done, O God. I remember your wonderful deeds, even of long ago. And he starts encouraging himself. Uh, and we too, we need to develop this ha- habit of being real with God and then encouraging ourselves. I mean, he has a small example, but for me it was really encouraging, kind of fun example. A couple of weeks ago, we did a baptism. So we had a really awesome day. The weather was great. The state park was packed out. I mean, it was hard to even get to the baptism to, because there's no parking and they were turning people away. And, and, you know, we just had to wait in the hot sun for everybody to show up. Uh, and then we heard people's testimonies. And everybody's testimony that got baptized was totally awesome. I mean, it was really excellent. And then we go down to the water, and we get baptized. And I'm baptizing, you know, one after another, and uh, we all finish the baptism. And then some random person on the beach is so taken aback by what they've just seen happen in the lake. This person says, I need to accept Jesus. I need Jesus. And it happened to be like a Brazilian there, and I think one guy might have been a Brazilian pastor, and he's like said, I want to accept Jesus and not only that, I want to get baptized. Then he's begging the pastor, will you baptize me? Will you baptize me? And so he goes in the water with the pastor and he gets baptized. And then somebody else from that crowd says, wow, me too. And then that guy gets baptized. I'm like, that's awesome. That's like really encouraging. It was a fun day. I mean, things broke out on the beach, right? What I want to say is this. You can't force God's hand. But we can stop the flow of faith in our life. We can stiff-arm God. We can deny God. uh, We can refuse God. We can get angry with God. uh, But that won't help you. Uh, A far better way is to say yes to God, yes to God's ways, and yes to anything God is directing you or leading you to. Yes to God. Uh, Jesus overcame all sorts of discouragement, and he's our total example. He says, you know, Jesus overcame death and flogging and hard life, uh, and he says, I'll be with you. I won't abandon you. And uh, in a similar way, we can say, God, I don't have this all figured out. You are mysterious in a way, but I have the faith that you will be active. You will be involved in my life, and when I look back on things, I will see your miraculous hand at times involved in my life. Uh, That's the message of faith, is to say yes to God despite the circumstances. That's the message of faith. So, Jesus, I just uh, ask, I just ask that you would uh, infuse your faith in us, that you would impart faith, that you would allow us, Lord, to receive your love and your joy and your blessing despite our circumstances. Lord, that, that we would always be able to look up to you And say, your will be done in my life. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And Lord, when we confuse, when we feel abandoned, when we feel rejected, we can be sure that you love us. And that your words are true, that you will not abandon us. And that you have sent your Holy Spirit as a comforter to comfort us. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And we thank you as we follow you and we refocus on you, our lives will work out, and we will experience your joy and your peace and your plan for our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Why don't we have a worship team uh, come on up? And uh, while they're coming up, uh, Kevin, why don't you share with us this morning what came out of prayer
1: Yeah, so I I think um, through all five of the um, strategies Rob shared with us of uh, overcoming discouragement, I I feel like God wants to encourage us uh, through his love. And so I want to read you a scripture uh, many of you are familiar with. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, starting with verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. Uh, Love keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. As we sang this morning, love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I just believe there's a invitation this morning to uh to know and experience uh God's love this morning. And you can do that you can do that uh in in your chair, you can come up for prayer. We'll have a, a prayer team up front um that'll pray
0: with you uh for that or, or for anything at all. Thanks. Why don't you stand? Let's have a closing song and then you come up for prayer if you'd like prayer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that your love never fails, it never gives up. Lord, and I just pray for your peace to be on your people. And Lord, just help us to be able to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Folks, be blessed. Have a great week. Do not be discouraged. Overcome your discouragement. If you'd like prayer, if you're battling it with something at the moment, uh, come forward. Allow our team to pray for you. Otherwise, go in the lobby, get some coffee, uh, and be blessed. Have a great day.